0: Hi, everyone, and welcome to this week's Strength in the Numbers show. Our guest mentor this week is Richard Rinderhoff, and Richard raises a really interesting question around whether or not finance is doing too much and whether or not we need to split what we do between operations in the form of a chief accounting officer and strategy, as in a chief value officer, and whether or not FP&A is the unsuspecting change agent in this process. So this turned out to be a very fascinating conversation. And Richard also shares his journey from finance operations, where he covered most finance functions, to the importance of planning in a hyperinflationary economy, consulting his international controllership experiences, as well as those as a CFO, and gives us some straightforward practical advice on how to close the gap between strategy and finance. So look, if you enjoyed this episode, You can always check out our timestamp show notes at www.sitnshow.com podcasts. And don't forget to let your friends and your colleagues know about us. We're on all the major platforms, iTunes, SoundCloud, Stitcher and YouTube. And thanks again for listening in. So without further ado, over to Richard and the show.
1: Richard, welcome to the show. Well, thank you very much for having me.
0: Now, Richard, you have a very interesting background as a financial strategist, but maybe some of our audience aren't maybe familiar with your background or that type of work. So would you maybe perhaps mind sharing with us a bit about your journey in finance?
1: Sure. Um, my start was rather odd because I'm Dutch. However, my career starts in Brazil. I started working in finance and accounting and operations, and was that was mainly due to to the fact that Brazil was changing and they needed a lot of planning. Uh, They start to have a stable uh, uh, currency. So the first thing what had to happen is we need to plan before they never had to plan because they had hyperinflation. So I got involved in supply chain management, production planning, treasury financing, uh, working capital management, all those kinds of areas. And of course, uh, uh, being in businesses, uh, you had the risk management, you had the high inflation, you had uh, exchange rates, which were fluctuating, you had suppliers, which suddenly got out of business because they didn't plan. So there was a lot of operational uh, experience, uh, hands-on, which I just had to solve because there was nobody else to solve things. And uh, uh, the good thing is, in Brazil, that's a very uh, human uh, approach always. They give you the opportunity. And you say, do you want to? Yes. Have you ever done it before? No. But do you think you can do it? I think so. So you <laughs> just have to push yourself in discovering ways to solve things. And um, it's not about, you know, one or two digits behind the comma. Or it's really about percentages which really hit the balance sheets or the PL. So you really have to be firm in your 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 position. Um, after that, I changed and entered into the consultancy business, uh, more corporate governance, finance and control. Uh, from there, I got into the risk management and, and business reviews, as into okay, what is having an impact on my company? Um, there were some private equities that were in also interested in in control statements, so we start to implement in control framework, which is now a very common uh, uh, term used uh, within uh, COSO, uh, for example. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but also, for example, uh, a company which had to or wanted to expand internationally, but the part of uh, the real estate, they want to have separate from their whole administration. So you talk about sort of, business transformation but also finance and accounting separation and different forms of how do I report uh, all these uh, uh, to management uh, the advancements etc and the third stage was actually uh, back to more the controlling bit, uh, more international controlling. You talk about joint ventures from, as from a holding perspective, which is a whole different dynamics. And also uh, in another company, I worked with a lot of marketing managers, but each marketing manager had an international division behind him. So you work in one company in one country, but you talk to so many different, uh, uh, well, directors that you have different settings and they like to have different reports. And business drivers, which is very key, you need to very well report on that. And each market, each product market, has different business drivers. So that was was quite a challenge. And uh, nowadays, I'm uh, more into advisory, exactly the bridge between finance and strategy. How can people approach it? How you can set up good reports and how you can interact with uh, different kind of of publics. You know, the board reacts different than the marketing manager or product manager. So that's actually my background.
0: Yeah, that, that that's an interesting journey from, I suppose, the, the, the fundamentals of planning, analysis, control, all the way up now to international and strategy. So I'd love to maybe flesh out some of those items that you covered. <laughs> um, this is an interesting one for me because I don't think a lot of our audience may have even experienced this, going from a scenario where people aren't used to planning to planning like that that initial scenario mentioned in... Brazil Richard how do you how do you get people to focus on planning when they've not planned before like is there any sort of things you introduce to make it a bit of an easier journey for them
1: one of the things I learned very quickly uh, which actually quite some time ago was presenting running forecasts not only on Mm. revenues but also on costs on spend and since they uh, went from a hyperinflation to let's say high inflation I did a lot of actually cash flow planning which doesn't mean like the cash flow from accounting, but really cash. You now, what is going in and out of the bank? Because in Brazil, you have a lot of taxes and a lot of laws, they change every two, three weeks. And uh, each state has different taxes, each uh, 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 city has different taxes. So, in the end, you need to have really grips on your wallet. So that And and they understand that very well, because it's a country where they are used to survival. Uh, At one moment, the president uh, took all uh, the savings of everybody out uh, just to save the country a bit. So they are very used to survival. So you talk the language with his. Cash and money, and from there you get into the rolling forecast, you get into the the, the the supply chain management, and you get into production planning. So it was, let's say, gradually that the business there grew into the area of financial planning, and, and I sort of got my 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 experience uh, from it and and grew very fast with it.
0: Yeah, actually, I, I, you just reminded me of a smaller company I worked with. Where it was about survival, and it's amazing—you got to start with the outcome, which is really cash. Cash
1: is king, right? (laughs) It's the wallet, right? And and you don't care about percentages. It's really
0: just oh no, exactly. But but if you start there. Um, you, you talk in the language that matters to the people making the decisions. And from there, after you start to put a bit of trust, you can start planning a bit. I love the idea of rolling forecasts. I, I would not have thought, thought about that. But then you're just building on what's already there. Yeah. And then you can get into the percentages, the value drivers and build from there. Exactly. So, exactly. Great advice for our audience, Richard. And during your journey, you also mentioned about the international exposure and the fact that you you suggested that we need to uncover the business drivers or the value drivers that way. Um, I suppose any sort of key things we should be looking out for that that are the key giveaways to identify from those international conversations or interactions, the value drivers?
1: What I used to do, uh, and I did it along several occasions, also uh, once when I turned uh, CFO and company owner, um, talk to marketing, but actually uh, related to Where are you going to spend the money? In other words, um, where are you going to, uh, um, how can I frame this? They have, um, they they get money. They need to spend (laughs) either or spending it on uh, a market they already know or on Mm. customers who do not know their product. So then you get a a, a sort of a matrix. On the one hand, you talk about market penetration and the other side you talk about market development. And they have to make a choice and through that discussion you they will tell you what is important to them they cannot cannot bet on both things because then you're stuck in the middle so you either do one thing or the other thing and you do not have to understand the market but you need to hear them you need to listen to them you have to help them in the process of making sure that their decision is valid specifically for corporations because always every quarter, they will ask for cost reductions. So be firm in your strategy and say, I do this in order to obtain something, either new markets, new clients, or you get, let's say more, uh, revenues from the same clients.
0: So you're sort of in a way, so you're saying it's like validating the return on yes. the spend or the investment.
1: Exactly. It? But it's targeted on what kind of, uh, uh market strategy.
0: Yeah, a very interesting point. Not to get stuck in the middle. I feel feel that that happens a good bit in these conversations. It's like confused. (laughs) So part of the value is actually just having the conversation as to what are you trying to achieve? What are the outcomes we're looking at? What should we be getting for our money? And then uh, did you find like any way of maybe, uh, how do you say, uh, tying it back? So checking back or... Was there any sort of control, because you mentioned control as well in terms of your career journey, any opportunity to introduce controls around that, that some of our audience could identify with?
1: Uh, Controls, yes. I structured uh, the budget in a different way. I do not use a chart of accounts but I use projects. So all the spend, they either put in one area, two area, or a strategic part, and each have, let's say, their own chart of accounts. You know, you can hire a consultant for internet marketing, but also a consultant for uh, uh, getting inside the, 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 the area of client, or whatever. And, and the other thing is, sometimes there are, let's say, quick wins. Uh, so you talk about end market development and um, market penetration. Now, if they can identify it, it's sometimes caused by an event. For example, a government changes the regulations, so you can hop in very quickly. So you should always have, let's say, some money left or some in the budget to capture those, let's say, um, yeah, opportunities. I would call them quick wins. Quick wins.
0: Yeah, no, no, excellent, excellent advice. And, and the bit I'm really, really, really want to get your, your thoughts on is how do you bridge the gap between finance and strategy?
1: Ah, finance <laughs> and strategy. Uh, avoid telling them what to do. <laughs> <laughs> so, so, oh, easier I, said than done, yeah. <laughs> yeah of, of course, my, the temptation. My background, uh, my background is strategic management. So, so I know all the frameworks and a lot of marketing managers, they don't. Uh, but that's not important. It's what they talk about. It's what they understand, and you have to simulate uh, their understanding, and just criticize. Be 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 instead of being the guy who always says no, be the guys who always ask why. You know, that's it.
0: So changing no to why exactly.
1: <laughs> yeah, why? Exactly. Why do you need more money? Why do you want to reduce the this, this, this spend? Or why why should something be different?
0: why? Yeah, I, 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 I know people might might sort of roll their eyes up at that one, but actually try it and see, see where it goes. It actually could turn into a very interesting conversation you, that you unlocks get to, those value get drivers.
1: To, sorry, you will get to the business driver.
0: Yeah, no, no, fantastic. Yeah, no, great bit of advice, Richard. And I suppose that was a, a very interesting career journey. But I suppose what's, what's exciting you most about your current work?
1: Well, my current work is more related to advisory. So what do we have today? You have um, finance is, is sort of in a, in a changing uh, environment. You talk about big data, artificial intelligence, uh, deep learning. Um, for many years, finance has been trying to fill in a strategic role. Uh, it has always been on the high End of the agenda number one two or three, you know more strategic development, and then you see how much are you? Uh, investing in training your personnel on strategic planning zero or none. So there's always been a gap and, and Now I just see there is no option uh, you either as a CFO try to do everything and get stuck in the middle again Or you start splitting it up. I really see the opportunity in getting finance and the transactions part separated from let's say the business develop part you get the operations uh you talk about controlling compliance but also data they your data has to be perfect who could be better than the it department and an accountant they talk data you talk to the operations they have the kpis now a financial cfo i think he would like to be much more active and needs to be much more active on the strategic uh, side. So you talk about um I say business drivers, business models, value based management. Now that's a whole different ball game. If you split that up in let's say a, a chief accountant officer and a chief value officer, they really add value to the board. What has been happening, for example, in the last 10 years? You have IT, it's been booming the last 20 years. So now you have chief information officer. Risk management, since actually 2001, since the the, the telecom crisis, they have been on the rise. So you have a chief uh, risk officer. Those tasks were under the governance of the CFO. So why not also accounting make that person really in charge of accounting? Imagine what blockchain will do. If you add all that information, it has to be perfect. It, it's, a, it's a ledger controlled system. So we know everything about ledgers. You know, an accountant that worked with a general ledger. So they know everything. With IT, you can become a client for the CFO. And then the CFO is liberated to work on business development. Think about the circular economy. Think about all those small startups. Perhaps you want to have a bolt on to explore new areas within your business. So you want to look forward, you want to understand, but you need to have perfect numbers. So why also be responsible for that? And and I think that's a, a stuck in the middle situation today. The CFO has to choose. Or um, try to do everything and, and sub-optimize, or uh, start evolving. And in this area, I think financial planning analysis is sort of the trigger and also the the, the unsuspected, uh, um, let's say change agent in this process because he's exactly working with the data, trying to get into the story and present it to add value to the business. Now, that's why I'm very much interested in financial planning analysis and I like to help people uh, advance in this career
0: yeah like i i know you've written about this previously but i suppose is that where the opportunity lies for accounting and finance into the future then in terms to really add value is is to i to move away from it in terms of towards FP&A, or you know is there still a role for compliance and controllership given that you know you've had that experience in your career as well is there is a An opportunity for both to coexist or is it in the same organization or is it in effect splitting it up in your mind what's the best
1: way Uh, in my mind i would split it up um and and actually upgrade the accounting level uh like a chief accounting officer and and i do not want to say downgrade the cfo because most cfos they are most of the time involved especially for large corporations immersion acquisitions you have a corporate business development that's those are ex financials or people who want to go into private equity later they talk all the time about valuations so it's uh, and they uh, investor relations so the CFO is already in that strategic role he's already uh, been able to externalize or outsource most of the transaction services so he should have more time available but don't get stuck into the data. Delegate that to somebody who is really, let's say, who should be compliant and be on top of it. That's my 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 understanding. And I would say then you get then you can get uh, quick wins or you get really advancements. Uh, if you look at the top 50 uh, Fortune companies, everything is outsourced. And then and then we were talking about 10 years ago. So. Um, HR was outsourced, contracting was outsourced. You talk about uh, accounting in in different countries, uh, invoicing in different countries. It was all outsourced. Why? Um, Save money. And locally, the controllers there, they had to have a new role. So they started to advance more in financial planning and much more in business partnering. So actually, it's, it's a natural evolution of finance which is happening. So I would suggest, go on.
0: Yeah, keep 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 evolving, yeah. keep evolving. So so I suppose let's say, in terms of that keeping, keeping that theme of evolving, you know, what things should aspiring financial analysis and planners be looking to be doing so that they're evolving in the right way in your mind? So I suppose what should they be looking out for? So over the next say twelve months to remain relevant and be part of that evolution in finance, what things could they be doing now to make sure that they're evolving? Uh, in terms of towards doing the right financial planning and analysis.
1: If I think about financial planning analysis, my keyword always is forecasting. Uh, it's a central theme. So you have to understand business planning. What is impacting the forecast? So you think about scenario planning. If there is the dollars going up and down or if with the Brexit or if there are trade barriers what will happen to the supply chain? What will happen to your clients? Interest rates might go up, which actually um, happening already. So what will happen <laughs> to your clients? Will they purchase in the same amount or not? What will happen to your uh, um, supply credits, etc.? So there's a lot of things happening. So the external elements, be aware of what's happening in the business. So you talk about business planning. So for financial, working in finance planning analysis, don't wait for the information to come from the company, but see what is happening outside and how it would affect the whole business or the segment the the, the company is working in.
0: Yeah, I, d- I definitely agree with you, Richard. I think there's that element of what if. It's balancing, you know, making sure there's good quality data to make some what if predictions. Yeah,
1: yeah. exactly. Exactly. And, and and you have to talk to management on their ideas. Do they, in urgency or not in your your assumptions or your subject. Ask what is happening. What are you worried about? You know, uh, do you think about your your your, your supply chain? And do you think about your IT systems? Perhaps uh, there are some opportunities uh, available. I don't know because so much nowadays is being automated and being linked together. Uh, so much open source is available to all kinds oh, of companies. Yeah. So uh, where do you want to develop? Uh, in the old, days, the old days, 10 years ago, it was very expensive. <laughs> <I don't>... Sorry. <laughs> Sorry
0: we, we, still, we still have a bit left in us, Richard. <laughs> the old days, 10 years ago, I'm I, like, yeah, I know, it's crazy, isn't it? Yeah, it,
1: it, exactly. Just us using this <laughs> perspective on reality, it's <laughs> absurd. But 10 years ago, it was very expensive to, to change your systems. Now it's open source and you just hire guys to program for you. They all work uh abroad that you can buy them by the hour and, and that's it
0: yeah completely completely I, um yeah so i just think in terms of the way you've been describing that it really is that is the evolution between getting from finance to strategy yeah is you know yeah no definitely and i i, I suppose either you know, that's great advice for our listeners i suppose in terms of yourself what's been the best bit of advice you've ever received in your
1: career oh uh, in business expect anything Really,
0: <laughs> I suppose with an FPNA slot I suppose yes <laughs> I can yeah. see why but 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 maybe for our audience you want to elaborate a bit more like why is, why have you found that useful advice for you?
1: Um, well actually we have to go back to to a period where um, the company was in trouble and I suggest do a turnaround and I let it turn around and of course there were a lot of uh, hurdles uh, and not everybody agreed. but in the end, We didn't know the CEO came to us and said, would you like to buy the company? And then the second thing he said, you know, in business expect anything. So this is sort of, um, things can happen in five minutes. Your whole world can change in five minutes. Uh, so that's, let's say more personal note on why I would say, well, expect anything like that. That's at least one of my, my, the best advice I received, uh, along my career
0: actually there was there was um funny, funny you should mention that one of my uh, team members he he shared with me a diagram um i don't know if you've seen it but it's like two pictures one is like the start and end and it's like a linear pathway to the goal mm-hmm. and then there's other one where it's like ups and downs and yeah. all these different things going on and i think in that absolutely aptly captures the expect yeah anything you know because you know, very very rarely is it a linear progress yeah. towards the goal. There's there's ups and downs, and there's sideways, left ways, right ways, different pathways. Yeah. So we really should expect anything, whether it be business or careers. Yeah. Um, it's it's definitely not linear. <laughs>
1: exactly, it's reality. <laughs>
0: it's reality. Yeah. <laughs> just just getting real. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I suppose in terms of getting real, any any resources you found useful, and you could maybe recommend our audience check out.
1: Uh, resources. Well, two things. Uh, which had a huge impact on me. Uh, One is actually a very small, simple book. It's called Case in Point. It's a complete case interview uh, preparation. If you want to become a strategy consultant, you need to prepare for their interviews. So you need to think strategically, you need to get into the head of the board or CEO and think what would we decide, What are what is important, you know, like mergers or, or outsourcing or turnarounds or anything. So that kind of thinking, um, you have to learn. You don't learn at that school. Uh, even if you study business administration, you do not get it. They have specialized courses on um. case studies. So... Case in point is really a practice book. You can practice with other people to get it. It's a lot of fun. Uh, there are like uh, guesstimates in it, like how many uh, golf balls go into an airplane. And then you have to start <laughs> thinking, really <laughs> thinking, projecting uh, what it will be. And I use that exercise a lot uh, when I was uh, teaching uh, at an MBA. Every uh, lesson, I gave them an assignment, as in uh, how many cars or trucks will be sold in 2010 14 in the united states so then you have to figure out how many people are there living there how many families how many people have a rural life things like that and then you start to really get into the analysis and into how much would my market size be and that's just a mind practice. Now, if finance can do that specifically financial planning analysis, then they can sit with the director, but also with the product manager who is saying, okay, my market will grow 50%. Yeah. Right. Give me some numbers. So you start asking, where are they? How many are they? How often, how quickly will they start buying? And so you get the whole logic as into an analyzing, analyzing a plan or an idea. And I think that's wonderful.
0: Yeah, no, I, I, I completely. And uh, you know, people think, well, what's the point in knowing like how many trucks or how many golf balls could probably fit in a plane? Well, it's not necessarily the outcome, although it is interesting. It's yeah. more the thought process. Yeah.
1: Exactly, exactly. And, and the other thing which I found extremely helpful, which really also changed a uh, part of my 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 not my career, but my my perception towards uh, management, that was a documentary called *The Corporation*. It's, I think from Mm. 2005, six or two, it's free on, on, on YouTube. I think it's two and a half hours. I bought even a DVD with extended, um, coverage of the interviews. It is the best ever. Why do I think it's important? It explains why corporations exist and why management behaves in a certain way. Now, if you think about forecasting. Mm -hmm. All the numbers that appear are the result of a decision. They are uh, the, 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 somebody makes a decision and then action happens and then it appears in the books. So your financial numbers are like, say, the reality after the fact. So if you want to understand the fact, you have to understand management. And they think differently. They sometimes do not have the same moral as you have. Uh, markets react differently. Uh, many more things happen behind the scenes than you think or than you expect. It's a different world. So that documentary opened my eyes. It also has a, a block or a part related to sustainability, how it got started and why it's so important and why certain CEOs really um, picked it up and made it something real, becoming an international business case or an example. So that's a really, really good um understanding the the documentary of businesses and governments and how they all interact and why management and people behave in for us sometimes weird ways
0: (laughs) yeah yeah that's um i really appreciate those recommendations i i'm not familiar with either of them so i'll be checking those out and i suppose richard you know if our audience want to continue the conversation where's the best place to connect with you at
1: Um, Well, first through LinkedIn, Um, I get invitations uh, to have small talks on on issues they have, like, uh, for example, uh, what do you think about near future because the market's getting turbulent or there are things happening. I always give comments on, on specific areas, like, for example, interest rates are rising. So what do you want to know from your management? What do you need to prepare for? Uh, since I have experience with high inflation and, and high interest rate, very high interest rates, uh, I have a different approach, very pragmatic. You know, get out of the co- accounting and get into the cash management, you know, cash is king again. Uh, although there was an abundance, it has been providing a lot of, uh, giving us a lot of problems nowadays because we are too indebted. Many companies are too indebted and the valuations will uh, spiral downwards as soon as interest rates go up. So, um, just calculate the wage average cost of capital. It will go up. So, <laughs> there goes your value added.
0: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's um, it's one of those inevitable things. That's the nature of cyclical economies, business. What goes up sometimes has to come down.
1: Indeed, indeed, exactly. <laughs> <laughs>
0: so, um, so look, Richard, really appreciate your advice, and you should be so sharing with the audience. Any parting thoughts? Uh, before we finish uh, the podcast together?
1: Um, well, I, I think uh, the opportunities for financials are uh, really, if you're in accounting, look at controlling, data integrity, but also impairment. You know, there are a lot of small businesses mm. now coming right. and you have and acquisitions of small companies. Uh, if you're a financial, get into the value creation. You know, you have McKinsey approach, you have Oswald Daron, you have his philosophy and his books are wonderful to read. You learn so much about the business, just trying to, not, not even making a evaluation model, but understanding what is so important. And, and I think executives who want to advance more into in, the board or uh, non-executive uh, uh, director, uh, get experience. Um, I practice coaching. Uh, think about strategy. It's all about the future now, and the future is happening very fast. So that would be uh, my closing thoughts to to uh, the audience. Uh, as for myself, uh, in general, I, I like to get involved with restructuring, business process transformation. Uh, of course, financial planning and analysis. You have the whole risk management. Where there today, I think the risk appetite and the management culture are becoming very important to make that visible, uh, because managers make decisions and they impact your financial planning. Uh, they impact the risk of the whole corporation sometimes. So, I like those are things which are interest me a lot. Uh, uh, help small businesses or private equities with portfolio companies. You know, the, the integration. It, it's all about people and helping them understand what finance wants from them. But in normal terms, that's wonderful to do.
0: Yeah, I, I think definitely two key things really resonate with me there in those parting thoughts, which is a value creation,
1: and it's all about people. Yeah, correct. Fully agree. That's it, exactly. That's the essence, really.
0: Yeah, so no, no, I, I lo- but I love that. And again, I, I know I extracted the essence there, but it was really there's a lot of areas that you suggested, that we can go and do that. So fantastic advice and fantastic way to end our conversation. So Richard, thank you for investing
1: your time with us today and coming on the show. Well, thank you very much. And uh, who knows, uh, we might talk again. Thank you.
0: So there you have it. Hope you enjoyed today's show. If you'd like to know more about our guests today, their bio, and follow up on the resources mentioned during the show, you can find all the relevant links and more at sitnshow.com. There you'll also be able to get access to earlier shows, read the latest blogs. There's also an opportunity to subscribe to our newsletter